The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. We're going to jump right in this morning, Romans chapter 1, verse number 1. We're going to read this one verse and then we'll be in a couple other passages this morning. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you for just a minute this morning about a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote more of the Bible than any other man in Scripture. He's probably, uh, most of us know more about him than most people in the Bible. He was a Roman citizen. He was schooled in Greco-Roman thought and um, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. We know Philippians chapter number 3 says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, that he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, as concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You see, Paul, in the world's eyes before salvation, was a very successful person. Man, he had it all together um, from what the world would say. He, would, he was an educated man. He was a strict Pharisee of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a tent maker by trade. He was probably a member of the Sanhedrin. Paul was saved uh, three years after the death of the resurrection of Christ. He, what he accomplished through his work, his preaching, his planting of churches... His writing has been unparalleled by the life of any other. Uh, Paul, from his conversion on the Damascus Road to his martyrdom, the dash between being born again and the meeting the Lord was one of significance, one of humility. It was one of determination. But we find Paul here referring to himself and introducing himself. He doesn't say here, Paul the great preacher, does he? He doesn't say in this passage, Paul the great church planner, does he? He says, Paul a servant of Jesus Christ. For the first century audience of Paul's letter, this word servant would simply mean slave. Now think about that with me for a second. Paul is referring to himself as a slave. That's strong language, isn't it? Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. Man, it would have that connotation of slavery or servanthood. For them, during this time, a servant was someone who belonged entirely to another and from whom absolute obedience could be expected. As the Christian use it, the term conveys the idea of complete and utter devotion. Paul is affirming here that he belongs to Christ without reservation. This phrase is very intriguing to me, studying and thinking about the word a slave or a servant. We're going to preach for just a minute on a slave or a servant of Jesus Christ. I can't but think of the words of our Lord and Savior in Matthew chapter 20. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your what? Let him be your servant. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. 
Again, in Matthew 23, as the Lord is getting ready to rebuke the Pharisees, he says, Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now listen to me, we'll get the outline in a second. This is so backwards to how we live our lives so often. You know, so many of us, we come to church, and even church becomes all about us, doesn't it? How comfortable am I? How am I ministered to? How does pastor treat me? How does that person treat me? Or we say things, maybe I, maybe I don't like that music, or maybe I don't like the way they do this, or maybe I don't, it becomes about I, doesn't it? Man, if we're not careful, the Christian life starts becoming about me instead about, listen, I had someone one time come to me and goes, Pastor Jake, I just don't like that song. And you know what, you know what I want to say to them? Well, maybe God does. Last time I checked, we weren't here to worship you. Is anybody awake in here this morning? Listen, we're here to worship Jesus. But what happens is our, our worship and our lives can become about us and sit about the Lord. And listen to me, before we get in the outline, if we're going to have revival, we've got to understand something. This life, the Christian life, it isn't about you. And it isn't about me. It's about Him this morning. And when we start focusing on ourselves, we're doomed for failure. We're doomed for defeat. Hey, we're doomed. Listen, we've got Paul. The reason Paul was so great, as we're going to see here in a minute, is because he had the proper view of who he was in Christ. A slave. A servant. And that's powerful language. So what is he saying here when he says, I, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. A slave of Jesus Christ. The first thing that Paul's saying when you think of a slave or a servant, number one is a slave or a servant is bought or purchased by his master's money. A servant or a slave is bought or purchased by his master's money. Paul knew that a price had been paid for him. Paul knew he was not his own. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews 9 says, But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Listen, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood he entered in, in once into a holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. First Corinthians, Paul said to the Corinthians church in First Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? Ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, and without spot. Paul knew that a price had been paid for him. I love Isaiah chapter number 53, probably one of my favorite passages in Scripture, verse number 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Listen, every one of us in here this morning was a slave to sin, 
to self and to Satan until that day when Jesus made a way for us who trust him to be saved. Our pardon has been paid. We have been purchased by the precious blood of the Lamb. As the Baptist preacher and hymn writer Robert Lowry wrote, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And let me just remind you this morning, just as Paul knew, hey, a price has been paid for you. And listen, you didn't pay the price, and I didn't pay the price. Only Jesus could pay that price. What happens is we believe that for salvation. And as Pastor Chris said in Sunday school this morning, we don't believe that for sanctification. And I just want to remind you this morning that any good that's in you, hey, it's not about you. Hey, and any righteousness that's in your life isn't about you this morning. It's only by the blood of the Lamb, hey, that any of us are made perfect. It's only by the blood of Jesus that a way was made for us for salvation. Hey, and it's good for us to go back to that day, hey, when we kneel at the cross for the first time and He washed our sin away. You see what happens after a while, we're in church. And we get used to the songs. And we get used to the service. And we get used to the invitation. And we get used to calling each other brother. And we get used to calling each other sister. Hey, and then we start seeing, after we've been saved for 10 and 15 and 20 years, if we're not careful, we start thinking that our righteousness and our salvation and who we are has to do with who we are. Is everybody tracking with me? Hey, we, it's a good day for us to remember that it's only by the grace and the sovereignty and the love and the mercy of God Almighty that any of us sit in here tonight. If we're not careful, we'll start to say things like, man, I can't believe we're, you know, I'm thankful that I'm not like they are. Hey, it's only by God's grace that you're not what you used to be. Hey, it's only by His love and His mercy. Hey, you must understand the reason you sit here today is because of Christ has been paid for you. And if we're going to have revival, we've got to start out by remembering, hey, you're not your own this morning. You're God's. Man, we're so selfish so often. I know I am. It becomes all about me instead about Him. A servant must understand he's been purchased by the Master's money. Hey, before you look down your pharisaical nose at someone else, understand it's only by God's grace you are who you are. You ever been there before where you maybe looked at someone a little differently because they were different than you? Because they went some places that you don't go? They said some things that maybe you don't say? We try to fix their problems so often, don't we? Well, you shouldn't go there. Or you shouldn't say that. Listen, where they go and where you used to go and what they say and what you used to say is not the problem. The problem is the heart this morning. Man, you've been purchased by the master's money. Your salvation, you must understand this. We're going to have revival and preparation. You're not your own. You are God's if you're saved. Man, glorify Him in your body. Secondly, notice with me, as a servant, not only is He bought with the master's money. As a servant, he possesses nothing of his own. It was Paul who said about his background, about his wealth, about his education, about his training, about his religion in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 5. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Paul the servant knew that everything he had belonged to the Lord. The psalmist said in the 24th Psalm, 
The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Listen to me. Everything you have is God's. You see, the servant has nothing he hangs on to. You know why? Because it's not his. The clothes on his back were placed there by the master. The roof over his head comes from his master's timber. The food by which he nourishes his body comes from his master's cattle and his owner's fields. The shoes he wears are owned and purchased by his master. The paycheck he receives is signed by the pen of the master. Listen, our master has stripped off his robe of righteousness and placed it on my shoulders. My master allows me to eat wheat and he allows us to grow on his plains and his fields, his fish from his streams, his herds that he uses to graze his countryside. My master warms me with his sunshine. My master feeds me from his table. My master allows me to drink his water on his planet from the streams he produced, from the rain he gives. My master gives me the breath that I breathe and it's a good day. Hey, when I understand that everything I have and every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. Listen, what you have is not yours. Man, we start thinking about, hey, you know, we want to have revival. We just don't have time for this. We just don't have time for that. Hey, every day that you have has been given to you. Guess by who? The master. Well, Brother Jake, I'm just too busy to come to church Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night of revival. Hey, if you can be here, you should be here. Well, I'm just too busy to go sowing or go visitation, or I'm just too busy. I just can't do anymore, and I just can't get involved anymore. Hey, listen, if we're going to have revival, we've got to understand that the time we have and the breath we have and the money we have and the clothes we have and everything we have has been given to us by God Almighty this morning. Well, I, I work that job, and I, I work this job, and uh, that paycheck, and I, I'm the one who works. I'm the one who punches in all week, and I'm the one who does this and do it. Hey, it's God's this morning. Every blessing we have, every small thing, every great thing is from the Lord. It's His. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I can't help but think of that great part of the letter Paul wrote to the church at Colossae concerning the preeminence of Christ. Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him, listen, and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have preeminence. What that means is for us, Hey, that every, everybody right up here, what that means for us is, listen, everything we've been given is for His glory. It's for Him. Well, can we just talk and make this practical for a second? That means your kids have been given to you by God, for God. Let me ask you, parents this morning, when's the last time you prayed for little Johnny and little Susie? Well, we're going in, we're getting ready for revival, and we're going to be at church. And man, we're going to sing in the choir, and we're going to teach a Sunday school class, and we're going to run a bus route. Listen, if we're going to have revival and see revival in our kids' lives, it's not just going to come from a bunch of rules. Is everybody awake in here this morning? It's not going to come just because a mom and dad says so. 
We're going to see revival and there's going to be hope. It's going to be some moms and dads who understand those babies are given to them by God. And when we believe that, it's going to move us to action. And we're not just going to talk about raising them right. And we're not just going to talk like we go to church. Hey, there's going to be a time where we're alone privately spending time in God's presence on behalf of them. Let me ask you, grandparents and parents, when's the last time you prayed for your little babies? We lived in a messed up world. Listen, it's not the church's job to fix your kids. It's not the Christian school's job that's going to fix your kids. Listen, the only thing that will change their lives, those are all good supplements, is a mom and dad who spends time in the presence of God. We want to have revival, but we can't get down on our knees for five or ten minutes a day. Listen, that's where it starts. Is everybody awake in here this morning? Listen, we all want to see revival in America, don't we? I hear it all the time. I don't even like checking Facebook anymore. Everybody wants to give their opinions. Hey, if we prayed like we talked, huh? Do we believe that God can still, listen, he's the one who will make the difference. Man, how's that time with God? Man, are you spending time in prayer? You're not your own, that time that he's given you. Man, everything we have is from him. That means when the offering plate comes by, it's not hard to throw it in there. You know why? It's not yours anyway. So often we want to give the leftovers. Man, we want to give, you know, if there's anything left, I'm telling you from experience here, hey, a blessed Christian is a tithing Christian every single time. Mark it down. Believe me on it. What if I told you, if you gave like you should, that at the end of the month, I was, if you were short on your needs, that I would write you a check for the difference? Man, there's some people that don't tithe that say, oh, I'm in. I'm in if you'll do that. Listen, somebody so much bigger than me that has a whole lot bigger checkbook than I do has already promised you that. Is everybody awake in here? Listen, it's his. Man, it's God's. Man, he was purchased with the master's money. He doesn't own anything. Man, his shoes are his master's. His life is his master's. Everything that he has is his master. Thirdly, a servant's purpose is to fulfill the wishes of the master. The servant is his master's instrument he has no will but his master's will he has no desires but his master's desires a servant does not seek great things for himself he seeks great things for the master we spend our lives seeking great things for us don't we i'm that way man i want a better job nothing wrong with that necessarily i want more money i want a name i want recognition i want this i want that as a believer we've surrendered that right because the, the only will, the only desires, the only dreams that we have should be whose? Our masters. What is it that you're focused on this morning? What desires is it that you have this morning? No wonder D.L. Moody could say, lie passive in the hands of a God, knowing no will but his will, and having no desires but his desires. Servant has no right. Paul knew that. And was okay with it. A servant obeys his master in all things. The number one thing keeping us from revival and our churches from revival is an improper view of who we are and of ourselves. Paul had the proper view of self. See, Paul, you planted more churches than anyone else. Paul, you got a chance in the New Testament to brag about yourself and to write some books on how great you are. Paul, how would you answer? 2 Corinthians 12, 11, 
For in nothing I am behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Now, Paul, you got a chance to brag on yourself and what God's done for you. 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, whom I am chief. See what I'm, is everybody, he, we're good at looking at the world, aren't we? Oh, they're just so bad out there. They're so wicked out there. Man, the, the, the gay marriage thing and this and that and all the stuff that's going on in the world. Let me tell you where the problem is. The problem ain't out there. The problem's in here. We don't like to hear this kind of preaching, but if the church would have been doing its job for the last 50 years instead of tracing rabbit trails, is everybody awake in here this morning? Instead of having religion, instead of living some empty life, if we would have been soul winning and praying, loving God and having the proper view of self like we should, I believe we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in. But listen, as long as there's breath in our lungs and as long as there's hope in our heart, if we surrender to God and understand who we are in Him, God can still make a difference. Paul, you have a chance to brag on yourself. I love what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, I have planted, Apollo swattered. What he's saying there is, man, I've witnessed and I've worked at the church and I've done this or that and that's a good thing and you should do that. But we must understand, that, who was it that gave it the increase? Was it Paul? Was it the pastor? Was it the workers? No, it was God that gave the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 1 Corinthians 15, 9, For I am the least of the apostles. Ephesians 3, 8, Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints. Philippians 2, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Paul came to a place where he knew who he was. Let me tell you what real Christianity is all about. It's about surrendering your way and your will to someone else. It's the hardest thing for us to do. It's the hardest thing. It's easy to show up for church on Sunday morning. Y'all look up here for just a minute, we'll be done. It's easy to walk into church, carry a Bible. It's easy to put on a tie and comb our hair and to call pastor, pastor, and even to throw a couple dollars in the offering plate. That's the easy part. You know what the hard part is so often? What keeps us from being used of God like He wants to use us? It's fully surrendering. Saying, God, whatever you want for me. God, whatever you want for my family. Think of that. That means if God called you the mission field to Africa, would you be willing to go? Completely surrender. Think about it. God called your kids to go into ministry someday. Maybe barely scrape by every week and get up and preach the word of God. Are you okay with that? God called your family. Is there anything that God could tell you to do? Think of this, that you're not willing to do. I'd like to think in my life I'm surrendered until you start asking questions like that. You know, man, man, I love singing the songs. I love it. I love worship. I love hearing preaching, don't you? But what about when God speaks to you? How do you respond to it? Man, I've sat on that pew 
<clears throat> and heard some old-fashioned preacher get up and bring down the house, and something inside of me burned. And there's been services where I sat there just like some of you are sitting there, and you're going to sit there tonight, and you're going to sit there Monday night and Tuesday night, and you knew God was speaking to you. And you knew he wanted you to make some changes, and you knew he wanted, he wanted you to make some decisions. And listen, he's all over you, and he's, you've got that holy heart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you know that it's almost like the preacher was looking in your windows. He was talking to you. He knew what was going on at home. And listen, that's the Holy Spirit of God's conviction. And I just want to teach you something real quick. When that happens, hey, in a minute or tonight, or tomorrow night when that happens, and that piano starts playing, let me tell you something that will help you nail that thing down. Rather than clinching onto that pew, is everybody tracking me? I've been there. No, God, I'm not giving more, and I'm not going more, and I'm not working more, and I'm not doing that, and I'm not surrendering, and I like my life the way it is, and I don't want to give in. Hey, the greatest thing that you'll ever do is finally to let go and let God have control. And every once in a while, those of us that have been saved for 20 and 30 years, are y'all, are y'all, listen, just because we used to do this and we used to do that, it's good for some of us to get out of that pew once in a while and to walk up to this old-fashioned altar and get down on our face before God and say, oh, God, use me and do something in my life and bless my family and bless my kids and bless our church. Hey, that's the reason we're not seeing revival anymore. Hey, that's the reason that... Is there, Listen, I want to encourage you to have open heart like that. God wants to do something that you can't even believe with your life. God wants to bless your family and your babies in ways that you can't even dream about. I'm telling you from experience, and I've lived on both sides of it, there's no greater life than surrendered to God. I'm not saying this morning it's the easiest life, because it's not. I'm not saying this morning that you're never going to have a heartache and you're never going to have a financial letdown. Listen, I have it all the time. But I will say this. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what battle you're facing. Hey, I don't know what's... Listen, but let me just tell you something. When you surrender as a servant like Paul did, you understand who you are. Jesus will never fail you. Hey, there's people even in this room this morning on a Sunday morning right here in New Jersey. Hey, there's men that are good men that are struggling this morning. Let me tell you, that's okay, but let's get over it. Let's surrender it to God this morning. If we're going to have revival, Dad, it's going to start with you this morning. I'm talking about men in church this morning that are looking at things they shouldn't look at. Listen, if you're struggling, like get it right this morning. The thoughts. Can we talk? We're in church. It's okay, all right? You're struggling this morning. That's okay. You're not alone. People in here this morning with unforgiveness. Brother or sister, even within this room, may have hurt you in some way. Hey, I've been there before. I know how it rolls. Somebody says something short to you. Somebody says something about your family. Pastor didn't shake your hand or whatever. Let me just tell you, if we're going to see God do something in the next few days, man, we've got to let that go. We've got to surrender that to him. We've got to forgive. Well, you don't understand what they've done to me. No, you don't understand. Aren't you thankful that Jesus looks down at us and he's not skeptical of us? I'm glad when he looks at me, he doesn't say, well, Jake is, you know, last time I forgave him, he went and, no, what does he say? No, you're forgiven, man. So thankful that when I turn back to God every single time, he looks at me and he looks me in the eyes and he says, you're forgiven. It's over. Don't worry about it. Some of us could learn a lesson from that this morning. Who is it this morning that's hurt you that you just need to let it go? I've seen family members that not talk to each other for years over something stupid. 
Man, I've seen church members and churches split because somebody can't let something go that doesn't even make sense, that doesn't even matter. Get that thing right this morning. Man, I've seen good people hold things in their hearts that kept God from doing something in their family. Hey, whatever it is this morning, like Paul, hey, if we're going to be a servant, we've got to let some things go. We've got to understand who we are in Christ. And without Him, hey, we're in the same boat as everybody else. So I'm just here to tell you this morning, let's just get our hearts ready for revival by saying, God, whatever you want for me, I'm open to. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.